Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. guys and welcome back to the Living Fully podcast. I'm doing this introduction post the podcast and I'm like breathing into a brown paper bag. I'm so overwhelmed by how amazing <laughs> this conversation was. Aaron Lochner has been a superstar, guiding star. I don't even know like how many ways I can put it in my life in so many ways. And I have wanted to have her on the podcast for a really long time. And when I was choosing which season to place this really special guest into, I thought there is no better season than one where we're talking about slowing down and living intentionally during the holidays. So you guys better buckle your seatbelts because this episode is one of my favorite ever. So if you do not know Aaron, Aaron Lochner is the author of Chasing Slow, one of my all-time, all-time favorite books, and the founder of the international homeschooling co-op, Other Goose. Erin Lochner has been blogging and speaking for more than a decade, and her heartfelt writing and design work has been showcased in the New York Times, on the Today Show, Parenting, Dwell, Marie Claire, Elle Decor, The Huffington Post, and two seasons of HGTV.com on a web special, garnering over 1 million fans worldwide. She has spoken for and appeared in renowned international events for clients such as Walt Disney World, Ikea, Martha Stewart, and Home Depot. Now nestled in a Midwestern town, Erin, her husband, and her three children strive for less in most areas except for these three, joy, grace, and goat cheese. (laughs) Same, Erin. So I'm so excited and thrilled and a million more words that I just can't even come up with now because I used them all on the podcast to bring you this podcast with my friend, Aaron Lochner. I would like to take a second to thank our sponsor of this episode and a product, talk about a product that I love and have loved for years and years that you guys have probably heard me talk about before. And that is the CO2 carboxy gel treatment. You can use it on your face and your body. You guys hear me say just like CO2 mask. That's what I call them on Instagram. Basically, this mask, in my opinion, is like the holy grail of beauty. It brings hydration to your skin, helps you maintain healthy skin. It builds and maintains that youthfulness, gets rid of inflammation. It does so many things. Trust me, if you have something coming up where you need to just glow and look amazing, this is like an overnight thing that you can do and just look beautiful and dewy and glowy. So the code LIVINGFULLY will give you 15% off on your very own CO2 mask and we'll include that link in the bio. All right, everyone. So here I am with Erin and I'm so excited to do this, Erin. So excited. I'm so excited to be here. And your accent is so calming for me. I'm such a, I was raised in Southern Indiana, so I'm just loving listening to you. Oh, that's sweet. Because you know what? I am close to Southern Indiana. So I probably have some of that mixed into my accent. So Evansville, Indiana is 45 minutes from where I grew up in Kentucky. 
And that's like Southern Indiana for all of you guys who, who don't know that, but they say that Kentucky's accent is like a little bit of Southern, a little bit of like redneck and a little bit of Southern Indiana and Illinois. That's what I've always heard people say. It's so good. Well, thank you. Where are you guys now? You're still in that Midwest area, right? Yeah. I'm in Northern Indiana now. Okay. It's totally different, but it's, it's good for now. You know, it is what it is. Yes. Well, you certainly had a journey. You used to live in, in California and, and now you're in Indiana. You've had this just beautiful journey that if you are like me and read the book Chasing Slow that came out a few years ago, the journey that you shared was such a gift to me as a reader. And I, I talked to Aaron just off the podcast for a second. And I said, you know, I know that Chasing Slow came out a few years ago. But here we are in 2021, and we have gone through a season of slow because we just went through a a pandemic. And I think that people realized a lot about slower living. And I think now that the world is speeding up again, people would probably like to be myself included. I'm mainly speaking for myself. We, I, I want to be more intentional about bringing slow living back into my life when it's not forced upon me by pandemic. And you, are a professional at that. And you write so beautifully about that and you've done it in your own life. So I would love to talk about some of those things that you probably talked into the ground three or four years ago when you were talking about the book, but they've come back around. Isn't it funny how things come full circle, life themes? They do. They do. And I think this is such, it's so worth spending time on because, and I also feel like you're not alone in that everyone I'm talking to right now is really wrestling with what, what do we want to keep from what we've learned? Which lessons do we want to carry forward into post-pandemic life? And a lot of people, you know, there was a real struggle for kind of exiting normalcy when everything shut down. And now it's like, oh gosh, I don't think I'm ready to re-enter. You know, I kind of liked a little bit of what we had going now we're having a struggle re-entering into normalcy again. Yeah. That is such a good way to put that. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you just in my own personal journey. You really shifted a lot of things in my world. And I'm really excited to bring some of those concepts to people today that haven't read the book. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Oh, that's so Um, great. Well, something that you say in the middle of the book that I think of almost daily is, and I think it's a quote, maybe even from someone else, because so many things in my life, I think, okay, I want all of this and I want to do all these things. I keep piling things on. I keep piling on responsibilities or writing a book or, oh, I want to have another baby or, oh, let's get a new house. Let's all these things. And you say in the book to teach a bird to fly, remove the weight from its wings. And it almost makes me cry every time I hear it because I think sometimes to fly and soar, whether it be as a parent or in my career and so many things in my life, I think it's about more and more acquiring and doing and having, and it's just not, it's this stripping away and this, this beautiful thing that you remind us of in your own story. So could you, in a nutshell, tell us a little bit about the journey. I know you talk about it in the book, but when, from when you're living in LA and you're over leveraged and you've got this house that you thought you wanted, but you're having panic attacks in the closet and, you're, and your husband's got the dream career, but you're like, this is just feeling wrong, the American dream that I'm striving for. And then you make this big shift in your life that I think is seems to me like your life's work of teaching people how to slow down as you did. So 
Oh, yes. Well, you know, I think, I think something you hit on something really profound and that is that you add and then you take away and then you add and take away and you go through these seasons that, that really do. I think when we look at the grand scheme of our life, they're going to feel really rhythmic, almost like, you know, inchworm, right? We have those seasons of like tightening and then expanding and then tightening and expanding. And I think we think that that's wrong, but that's beautiful. That's, that's progress. You know what I mean? That's inching forward. So I would first just say, don't, you know, let yourself, don't beat yourself up over when you're, you're in that season of, you know, contracting or expanding or whatever. For me, what that looked like was we, you know, we moved home. We moved from, I, I, don't want to say that the move itself, I don't want to say that you have to pack up your life and move to the Midwest to slow things down. Okay. Like that's how it here. Works. I was going to do whatever you told me to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have, have to move. <laughs> yes. That's what we did, but we did that. We just followed the circumstance that was in front of us. You know, my husband's father became ill. We moved home. What I thought was temporarily, uh, we were sort of playing around with what does life look like for us now? after, after we found that Los Angeles wasn't everything we, we needed it to be. And so we, we moved to the Midwest and that was really, for me, my season of stripping down and reassessing, you know, we were deciding what we wanted life to look like. We had, and, and really our life was so bare bones. Everything was changing all at once, financial status, job status, you know, dealing with the loss of parent. It's, it's, it's a lot of rumble and quake, you know, but I think that's when, and that's what we all experienced in the pandemic, right? When things are shifting so wildly, you have to lay a new foundation and you have to figure out what do you want to keep? What do you want to carry? And that's, that's what we did. So I, so I will just, yeah, I will say you can do this in any season of life. And I think we're probably all being forced to do that right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you talk about, so this season in Los Angeles too, in a nutshell, like your husband's a successful producer, you guys bought this house that you thought was your dream home. And then like the financial, this was the crash of 2008, 2009, you had to file for bankruptcy. Like it was just this huge, this huge shift. And then your, you know, your father-in-law, like you said, it, it was this huge, huge change. And you talk about this whole thing in the book in such a beautiful way. And what I, what I love about it, listening to it as a person that craves like less and slow, you were talking about your season of subtraction. That's what you call it too, right? Season of subtraction, taking out, taking out, losing, losing, losing. And you said you had to kind of keep fighting the urge to add and to add, because you said, it's not about the decluttering and the taking away. I've heard you say this before. It's about stopping the ad back, like the compulsion to keep because I do that in my own life. Like I'll, I'll say no to an, uh, an opportunity or I'll hire someone to help with tasks and then I'll take on more. That was a big shift in the way that I thought about that. Cause I always think just get rid of, just stop, just subtract. But it's really, that's a really critical piece. Mm-hmm. How did you learn to do that? I think I will always be learning to do that. And I, th- I think, you know, for me, it's not what I, what I had to learn and what I didn't know. I, the thing about chasing slow, I, I have probably said this before, but you know, the book that you set out to write is not the book that you end up writing. You know, it changes you, it changes itself. It's a beast entirely. I thought the book was honestly about slowing down and about slowing the pace of life. Right. 
it was sort of about giving up the pace entirely, you know, resisting the urge to kind of manipulate the the timing of things, right? Or that there there will be seasons in which you are completely out of control, in which there are responsibilities added to you that you did not ask for. And I think in a perfect world, sure, we can sort of put up the barriers and the boundaries and the saying no and the not adding back in. And then, you know, boom, you're a caretaker for an aging parent or, you know, your child arrives with special needs. And I think there are going to be seasons in which your load is way greater than you can carry and the burden is great. And I think that's when you have to decide, am I going to live this fully? Am I going to accept what I've been given and not try to dictate how quickly I learn these lessons or how, how fast we move through this season or how slow we move through the season. Can I release the pace? And can I, there's a quote in the book that says, I thought the opposite of control is chaos, but I learned the opposite of control is surrender. Yeah. And that is so, that has been so key for my life in, in terms of living abundantly. Man. Wow. wow. Just that, how beautifully said that is. I've never really thought about it like that. Whenever I have too much on my plate and I'm in the middle of huge overwhelm, I constantly think, what can I do to get through this faster? But surrendering the pace and like thinking maybe like I'm meant to be in this to learn something to take into the next piece of time, that changes the perspective for me at least. Yes. Yes. Um, And it's so hard to do. It's so hard not to want to live busy and fast all the time. It's for me. And I wonder too, because I know, I know like as a person online, so you started out and you were like one of the OG bloggers. I love the story (laughs) that you talk about. You were like in the room um, at one of these conferences with the guy that, that started Pinterest. And he's like, Hey, will you guys take a look at this thing for me? Like, Like you were one of the first people to be like pinning things. I mean, you were truly one of the original bloggers, like back when blogging first became a a big thing and a career thing. And so you were, you know, in this infancy and I love how you describe, because I think it can, it can be to a blogger, anyone that's online. It can be to anyone that has any kind of career where you have people that are giving you compliments and accolades and it can get bigger. I like how you call this thing in you, the lion. And I Mm -hmm. think about the lion in me all the time. Can you talk a little bit about your journey with the lion and how you feed it's fed by compliments and likes and like, and feeding this line. I think that's one of the, my most favorite things of all the things that I've read that you've put out there. I love this whole concept of the lion and how like it's sleeping sometimes. And you say in the book, like, did you think that it was sleeping because it did not roar? I was like, Oh, I cried when I read that line. It was so beautiful. Yeah. I I mean, I think I do. I think it's just that embodiment in all of us of that, that chase for more, that idea that something we're missing something, right. That, that because our life is hard, that there must be something wrong. And I think that for me is when, when there's that sort of inner discontent and that, that quiet rumbling. And I don't think it's a, I thought it was a bad thing. You know, I thought like, why can't I just be content? Why can't I just be content? What's wrong with me that I can't just accept life for what it is? And I think what I realized is that sometimes that roar is just 
Number one, maybe asking us to pay attention to our life a little bit more, maybe asking for us to look at what we've been given, or maybe it's ushering us into something new entirely. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, that just has to, that just has to mean that so every now and then we need, we need to let our, our own voice, meaning not, not meaning like put our opinion above, you know, everything else that exists, but but our, we need to live life within the context of our own life, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I think, I think coming into an adult world as sort of the, the internet world, right? The mm-hmm. content creation and the, and the blogging and the sort of the sharing your world with strangers, there is that tendency to let those voices outweigh your own or to accept opinions void of context and to take on advice from people, from strangers on the internet. We're still there. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah. there it, years ago, it felt very different, but I, one of my rules now is just that I don't, I'm not going to accept advice from you. If you, and, and vice versa, I'm not going to give advice to people. If, if you can't send me a casserole when my dog is dying. You know what I mean? Like if, if you don't have that's the context, a great role. Yeah. If you don't have the context of, of my unique situation, I, then and then maybe I don't need to come to you for advice, right? Because then it's not reciprocal, then it's not community, then it's not service and in action and all of that. So that's a seg that's a whole different segue. But for me, yes, that lion so good though. It's so good too because too, like during the pandemic, everybody was on their phones a lot more and you couldn't do and you couldn't go and you couldn't be in your office that you're in or your kids weren't in the school. Everything was so different. So even people that weren't content creators like you, like me, they probably even more worse not suffering from, but looking for validation online. And that is, so I find in my life, it's such a black hole. It's so hard for me not to let those things ping me when I'm like, oh, they don't know the whole story, but it really hurts that they don't know the whole story. And do they really think that? Sometimes it's just really hard. So I'm going to have to think about like, do I let that person bring me a casserole when my dog is dying <laughs> the next time I, I read or come across one of those things because what, what I, what I hate, I hate to say hate, but you know, what I dislike about being a public person online where people don't know you in real life, but they do know you in real life is I take things personally when people get things wrong, when they insult me or they say, you know, I'm doing something wrong or whatever. And I unfortunately can bring that then into, into my four walls, into my family, into, it can ruin my day and it can really throw me off course if it's something that really hits a nerve. And I hope to one day be able to be more like you in not necessarily letting it in. But I know it is something that you used to struggle with because I remember this segment in the book where you said someone had told you about some something somebody was writing about you online and how it just permeated everything, how you went home and you were talking to your husband about it and you how do you feel like you went from that, that chapter that you wrote about that in the book to where you are now, where you're like, Mm-mm, nope. Well, I think for one, I do a lot less participation in the internet. And um, I wish you did more for my own personal. Uh, <laughs> no, you're so sweet. I, um, I do. I think 
I think the internet's changed a lot and I think it feels sometimes like it's more of a game now, you know, you, you sort of got to play by the rule. I'm not, I'm not into playing by the rules. So sometimes, sometimes I just go through seasons where I'm like, I'm not going to play at all right now. I do think, you know, there have been seasons in which I have felt compelled to share something. And I think I just, it, maybe this is age, I don't know, or, or sort of, comfort. I just, I, I want to make sure I'm not living my life reactively. So I do think if there is something that I have to say that I'm not willing to accept feedback on or curiosity about, or, you know, if it, if it's open for discussion, then I think it's fair, but if there's something well, and, and almost the other way too, if there's something that's not open for discussion, then it's so much easier to share because your mind's made up, you know, you're not, nice. you're not being influenced one way or the other. But mm-hmm. for me, I don't know. I think it's a case by case. There, there have been a lot of times in which I've shared something and I've realized, I think I was wrong about that. And I think that's the beauty of community and that you can be challenged and you can learn and grow from that. So I don't want to say that any feedback is not, is not welcome. But I do think it's important to just decide what role that feedback is going to, is going to be in your life. You know, I like to say, I say this with my kids all the time, you get a voice, you don't get a vote. So, you know, you can say whatever you want about whatever we're doing in my house, but does that mean I'm going to change it? Does that mean you get to vote on, you know, this, this changing, not necessarily, you know, but you can say whatever. And, and that's, that's just a, a line that I have that kind of keeps things in perspective. You I know love that you get a voice, but you don't get a vote. Cause sometimes I feel like I, I give them a vote. I think my favorite thing and something that I'd love to hear you talk about is how you just let kids be their own version of themselves. And that is really a beautiful thing. And a thing that you talk, you're so intentional with everything. But if there's anything that's intentional parenting that takes slow, patient parenting, it must be that. So how, how did you get good at that? Because I have two children that are total opposites, total opposites. And it's very hard to parent two totally different styles to two totally different kids. Do you feel like that's something that you got right once you had a second child? Do you feel like it's something that you or we're never getting it right, I guess, but got better at? Or was it something that like there was something that you did to get really good at that? Or do you have you know, how do you do that? Oh, well, I will first say I am not, I'm not there ever. You know, I don't, I, I think we can make as much progress as we're allowing ourselves to make. And I still have a long way to go there. I, I do think, I believe in becoming an expert on your own child, you know? So I think if we are paying attention you know, I know, I know the, the age old advice is to treat all of your kids the same, but you can, you can, I think, give fair treatment without giving equal treatment, if that makes sense. You know, every child is different. Uh They're just so different. And so there are, you know, there are certain things I could see the look on my son's face when he's just kind of on the verge, you know, and, and things aren't going well for him. I can tell when he needs a little bit of tough love. I can tell when he needs extra grace. I mean, you just know, you know, your kids, because you know how there, there's that whole theory that it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert in anything, mm-hmm. right? Well, that makes us experts in our kids. We spend gosh darn so much time with them. 
So yeah, if you you spend time, not on your phone, but like looking at your children and you do, you do. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, you know, and and not, I'm not saying you'll always get it right in the moment, but you'll know, I don't know. I, so, so I feel like I'm a bit of, I I just try to, to be students of my kids. You know, I try to pay attention to who they are and, and they will reveal that one way or another, you know, it's, if you're paying attention, I guess, huh? If you're paying, it is. Yeah, it is. I think. And then, then you know what to do. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's great. That's really great advice. And it, it takes paying attention. You're so good at paying attention and slowing down. And I think that that's something that we, as, as I bet my listeners, I know my listeners, so I know that they feel this way and I feel this way too. Sometimes I'm still on step one in the slowing down and the paying attention. So this, in this case, we're talking about our children. I know you need to slow down and pay attention and get out of the overwhelm of it all enough to be able to, here I am, bird's eye view, what's going on? This time is temporary. Like let's hone in on our kids. And sometimes it's like, for me, it's as simple as like setting a boundary around, I'm putting my phone down at six o'clock or, um, and then you fight the urge to want to pick it back up when your child is screaming and you want to turn on YouTube. But I, I love reading all of your content on, on parenting because I just think this intentional, mindful way that you do everything is so inspiring. Oh, thank you. I mean, I think too, though, you, you can't forget to pay attention to yourself, you know, pay attention to the parts of the day when you just feel that heaviness in your chest automatically, you know, we are, we're not robots either. I think, I think our, our generation has gotten really great about learning that our kids aren't robots. You know, we don't treat our kids like robots, but we forget not to treat ourselves like that too. So I think, you know, give yourself that same great, know yourself just as much as you know, your kids, they're going to want to break from you too. <laughs> you know, you're going to want to break from them. Gonna wanna, everybody wants a break. So, and I can say that cause I'm with my kids all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, just is making sure that you're paying attention to you, making sure that you're never adapting a, a parenting philosophy that will not work for you as a parent. Mm-hmm. That's really important. You got to consider yourself and your personality also. Hmm. I, I love that you said that because especially for someone that's so passionate about a particular way, because, you know, with the other goose and like everything that you put out there, but you think that that may not be for every parent. No, not at all. Not at all. I think you have to, I think you have to want to homeschool. You know, I, I think that desire needs to be there. I do. I think that everybody's capable Yes. But do I think that everybody must or even can, you know, in the circumstance they are, I, 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 I don't, I don't believe that. I think there are circumstances that make it so that it is not going to be the best situation for you. Mm -hmm. It happens. My husband is a freelancer. Also, we both have really flexible schedules. So we tag team and there are things that he teaches my kids that I could never teach my kids. The other thing I know we're not talking about homeschooling today, but like, I believe in, in, you know, really they say it takes a village. I think what we don't do very well is rally the village. You know, we forget to look at 
all the people that we've been given in our life. You know, we've got an uncle who fishes, we've got an aunt who bakes, we've got a neighbor who drums, right? And we're so in our heads about, oh my gosh, I wish the neighbor boy would stop drumming at 10 p.m. at night. But what if we brought the kids over to listen to the neighbor boy who drums sparked a relationship and then the neighbor boy who drums is teaching your son to drum, you know? What are some of the touchstone things that can help us come back to home base if we are also people that want to adapt at least some of this slow living and bring it into our lives? A big one for me is, is resisting the urge to focus on what slow living is supposed to look like. And instead, focus on what slow living is supposed to feel like. And sometimes, I remember I spoke on a panel once and I sat next to a slow food chef and he was telling me in the, uh, before we went out, before we went out there, you know, he's a big proponent of farm fresh and slow food and organic farming and all of that. And he said, you know what, Erin, I would rather see a family sitting around the dinner table with a McDonald's meal, then see, you know, an overworked parent hunched over their laptop, shoveling an organic salad in their mouth, wow. just trying to get through lunch hour. You know, it is what not about full story. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that same thing. I remember you know, November's and December, they're the hosting season, right? And it's all about, you know, hospitality and having people over and celebrating. And I remember I would be, when my kids were really, really little, it would stress me out terribly to cook yes. because they're tugging at your bathrobe and your hem yes. and then you, know, you got things <laughs> on your dress and then you got a breastfeed and it's just like, yes. it's, <laughs> and oh, I yeah. remember I decided, and I was really hard on myself about that because I really value connection and community and I value beauty and making people feel served and nourished and loved. And I decided, you know what? I would rather serve a frozen pizza, but be able to look my guests in the eye rather than trying to saute the mushrooms and worrying about them being burned while they're telling me a story that I'm not actually listening to because I'm freaked out about whatever. So I think... If you can approach holidays by asking yourself, what will feel slow to me? And maybe that is skipping every slow living thing. You know, it's great to think about taking a walk under the stars with your hot cocoa and your mittens. (laughs) But if your toddler is complaining the whole time and you've just absolutely hit your max, (laughs) then that's not going to feel slow and peaceful and calming Mm -hmm. to, to the whole family. So, you know, maybe it just, it looks like, you sleep under the Christmas tree together one night. Maybe it looks like you, I don't know, like frosty movie marathon. Maybe you're blowing bubbles in the bathtub. I don't know. Thinking about the things that you do every day that you can add just a little bit of festivity to, mm-hmm. but that aren't going to stress you out and aren't going to kind of throw oh, off the, of the whole family. You know, what you just said from the beginning to the end, just that, just then about how does it, how does slow living feel? Think about the things that feel like slow living versus what they look like. That is so powerful because I can think about the times that I felt the spirit of what I know the holiday is supposed to be about last holiday season. And I can tell you that it wasn't the cooking (laughs) and I love to cook, but you're right. Cause sometimes I'm like, Oh, the holiday season, I'm going to prepare this beautiful meal on this tablescape. And we're going to take a picture of it. And it's going to be so amazing. And in the middle of that, does it 
feel like some just warm and fuzzy holiday. It doesn't. It doesn't. But you know what? What did feel like it is driving to driving through like light displays. Okay. So, and there are screens in the back of our cars, which I'm like, that's not slow living. They can't watch screens. But you know what? This place is like 40 minutes away. It's like, okay, you can watch a Christmas movie maybe if you want to on the way instead of singing the Christmas songs, which is what I thought in my head that looked like slow living. But if you've got the child that's screaming, <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> but that felt driving through the light display with my kids in the car, that felt like warm and fuzzy holiday, them going, wow. And, and yeah. um, what a simple thing that you just taught me. And what, what feels like slow living instead of what looks like it? Cause I think 95% of the time I've been thinking look versus feel. Yes. It's easy to do because we, we talk about it in such aesthetic terms and you see it on Instagram, like the, you've got the open book and the candle and that the hot steaming mug and uh-huh. you know, that probably wasn't even shot in the morning. It wasn't, it, it's like, it's, the light wouldn't be good enough. So it's, it's I don't know. It, I, I think that was a big lesson I had to learn myself is what will feel slow. What will, what will force me to pay attention? And you're not always going to know until you know, and then you can, you know, even, even then you can try to recreate it. It might not always feel the same, but I would just say, especially if you've got small kids, I mean, throw out, save the ice skating and the cute stuff to save that yes. for a little bit. That's not going to be fun. Exactly. And you know, I I hate that. I love the pieces of social media that are inspiring and that, that really prompts people to live a better life, but the parts that are tough. And I know it's something that you struggled with when you were putting out all these images of slow. And even when I love it, when you're very open about, you say you were trying to chase slow so hard that that even became like almost a perfectionistic thing for you. Yes. And we could do that. Like people are probably listening to this podcast, like, um, gonna do it this season is but what what I know you don't what you don't want because I've heard you say before is people not giving themselves grace in that process also yes or just losing your I think I think we lose ourselves in the process of it and I mean it it can be just as wasteful to throw out your entire closet of clothes if you're if you're gonna buy them back you know so wow yeah so if we're thinking about how this will feel instead of how this will look, right? I know we all want the Marie Kondo closet and everything organized, but there's such a nuance and complexity there and that it can be just as time-consuming and wasteful and fast if we try to do it a way that... It, it, it Slow living has to be slow. It's a, it's a process. You can't do it in a weekend and you can't do it after watching, you know, the three-step course about how to get rid of your, all your dinnerware. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It just, it, yeah. it has to work for you and it, it, a slow living has to work for your actual life. It mm-hmm. does. And you know, another little tip that I, I think I do this in my own life. So if I'm in the middle of something, And I just called it like just putting aside expectations, but I think it's like choosing slow living in the moment is another way to describe this. So say you thought that the cookie making expedition with the one and three-year-old was your slow living moment. And like you make the dough together and all this stuff. If in the middle of that, you've got a child that's screaming bloody murder or they're fighting or they're being able to say, you know what? This doesn't feel right. My expectation is not it's not going to be met. 
but I want slow living more than I want to be like, well, by God, I'm going to finish this, you know? So I think like choosing maybe in the moment, I read so many stories where you were, you did that, that you've shared. And I think that maybe that's what looking that maybe that's what giving myself a little bit of grace looks like. Um, It is. It, it, you sometimes you have to choose to abandon the whole ship and and go get some burgers. I don't know. I I, yeah. I think that's exactly <laughs> what that means. It's just n- not forcing it if it's not working and not and and being okay with it. Not be, I used to then not only beat myself up but beat up my kids with it. You know, like I would yes. be like, oh, why isn't anybody on my train? You know, like I'm trying to make magic for you. I know. <laughs> um, and then you can't trip your kids about it. And I've made those mistakes plenty of times. And, you know, you hear every parent say that's why they can't remember things before they're three is because it just negates all those harsh words <laughs> that you threw at them. Good. But, I'm glad I'm still in the clear. Yeah. We've all, we've all been there. I think now it's just, now it's, I'm getting better at recognizing when I'm feeling like this isn't working for me. And then taking ownership over it. This isn't working for me. And it, do, it doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't have to be anything more than just saying, I'm, I'm going to tap out, you know, and, and we can revisit this another time. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So when you were in the middle, uh, um, something that I also like really resonated with me that I, and I know we don't have too much time. So I, I want to make sure that we talk about this because I think that I do it. I think that it's something that a lot of people do. So maybe I, I love it in your life where you share your story, you're climbing all these mountains and you're climbing all these mountains and you made it to the top of like a lot of mountains, HTV, HGTV show. Now you got the New York times and then you got, I mean, you've just really done it all and achieved it all. And what's really cool is the vulnerability in your story where even after you'd met kind of mastered this, I don't want to be at the top of the mountain. I'm going to slow down. I'm coming back down. How sometimes you would start climbing a different mountain and you didn't realize that like you were doing the same thing. And I love it when you say, you said, I got to the top of another mountain and I realized that the view remained unchanged. And you write about that so beautifully. And it makes me emotional when I read that because I know that I'm doing that sometimes. And like the amount of effort that I, I spend sometimes trying to climb a mountain that I know I'm going to feel the same when I get to the top of it. And it's so hard not to. Do you have any, any sort of reflection on how you, you seem like you've stopped doing that you you only climb the right mountains now, but it it seems like you you did you climbed and you saw oh views the same climbed views the same views. How did you stop doing that? Was it just really cutting yourself off from the people on the outside that were telling you to keep climbing? You know, I think it's and thank you for saying that. I have two thoughts. One is what's the harm in seeing a bunch of different, what's the harm in a bunch of different climbs? You know, I mean, we do have to recognize that that is such a huge piece of life is the, is the simple redirections. You know, I I think the only difference is I still do that. I just don't get so far to the peak. You know, I think I'm doing better at looking around as I'm climbing and thinking, oh, this is, this looks familiar, you know, because we know, we know when we're not we know, we know when something isn't feeling right. And when we're doing, maybe we're doing things for the wrong reasons or 
based out of fear or whatever. So I think I just probably, probably to you, it might look like I'm not hit. I'm not on the wrong mountain anymore. I think I'm just probably on the wrong base of the mountain before I turn back. So I'm not wasting quite as much time. You know, I haven't done the two year hike, but I did minutes of the wrong mountain and I realized, okay, this isn't for me. So I think too, that's one of the huge benefits when we're, when we're paying attention to our life and paying attention to why we're making the choices we're making and, you know, what's motivating us, then I think it's a lot easier to do those tiny course corrections and the redirect and kind of move from there. Pivoting is is huge. Yes. Pivoting. And I like that, that what you just said, there's no harm in the tiny redirections. Instead of looking at those as lost time, I guess it's gained time in the future at, at the other side of the same coin. Okay. So last question. I, I really, I, I want to know this, I think for my own sake, but I think for anyone that is pursuing or wanting to pursue slow living. So there are going to be a lot of different types of people that listen to this podcast and that want to achieve slow living in a lot of different ways. I'm sure there is the parent that's listening to this podcast that wants to be more intentional and wants to bring slow living into their lives. I'm sure there is the content creator like you and I, or the author, whatever version of content creation there is that wants to slow down. I'm sure there's just the person that's just in a normal everyday job. That's like, I don't have the time to, to do the slow thing. I'm sure there's a lot of different people listening to this, but I think there is a common thread probably in the fear that once you slow down and start subtracting, that you're going to get a little bit of, I guess, what we now in modern terms call FOMO. You're afraid like you're going to be left behind, that you're going to miss out on things, that it's all going to disappear. And that like, if you don't keep going, you're going to be so far behind that like the race is going to be over and like nobody even realizes that you were even running in it. So is there any advice of how to push through those moments? Because I think those are the moments that pull me back into the fast lane every single time. Yes. I would say there's this story, you you might have heard it, about the monk and the train. Do you remember this story? I, it, I did write about it in the book, but it's just, it's oh, an okay. old story about, you know, there was this monk that was flying into New York City and was going to visit New York for the first time. And the host is like, hey, we can get to our destination a lot faster if we do all of these fancy, complicated subway stops, right? So we're going to get off here and they get off here and they get here and they're, they're running around frantic trying to, to make all their connections and they're 10 minutes early. And the monk sits down at a park bench and the host is like, what are, what are you doing? And he said, I thought I should enjoy the time I saved. Oh. I thought I should enjoy those 10 minutes. So I think, I think if we can build in that, right, it's not, it's not a bad thing to move fast. It's not, there are going to be seasons we got to power through where we're busy and we're doing a lot and we're managing and we're juggling, but we have to do something that is worthwhile to us. That's going to look different for everybody. We have to figure out how we're going to enjoy those 10 minutes we're saving, whether or not that's, you know, you're working on a big promotion so that you can make more money. Well, what are you going to do 
with that extra money that you now have, how are you going to enjoy it in a way that makes sense to you? Or if you are multitasking all the way through breakfast, lunch, and dinner, well, what are you going to do at the end of the night that you will enjoy with all that time that you saved? And I think that's maybe where we can check ourselves and make sure that we're building in that pause because then there is no FOMO, you know, then if you're enjoying the time that you've saved in a way that truly brings you joy and fullness and abundance, why would you miss out? You wouldn't miss out on that. You know, you wouldn't miss out on what's, what somebody else is doing because you're doing the thing that you work to do. That was stated so beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that that's it right there. That's what it's all about. Because I think so many times in my life when I've made the extra time, I fill it right back up with the things that I know are not bringing me joy. And it's not about just racing to the end of our lives. I Sometimes I do. I feel like we're, I did, do you know the show, The Amazing Race? (laughs) Yes. Because you you were on it, right? I was on it three times. Okay. So you- you start in America, you literally, Aaron, race around the whole world in like 21 <laughs> days. You race, you run, you fly, you, you drive, you, run, you tell other people to drive fast. You race and race and race. So I did three seasons of that. I went from Miss America and then I did one season of it. Then I did another season of an all-star season before that one, even, before that one even aired. And I've <laughs> always been a fast kind of liver anyways. Yeah. But I think that that accelerated me into such a fast pace and way of life. And it's kind of what I, I had a crash and burn a down, a very big, like downfall in my life. And that's what I write about in my book Yeah, that comes, it comes out in February. And, um, well, thank you. I, and I, I still think that I have a little bit of that. It's like, I'm still running sometimes. Yes. And I, I have to remind myself all the, t- all the time that like, what am I doing? Like racing towards the grave. I mean, it, it makes, it just makes no sense, but it's my default mode. And I think that a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably listen to it because it's their default mode as yeah. well. And it's why you're such a soft place to land for someone like me that gravitates toward, I got to get there faster. And there, there's something that you wrote, uh, I think it's chapter 17 and you write about that. Is it Emil Govro? Is that how you say it? That quote? I think so. Yes. And she, I was part of that strange race of people aptly described as spending their lives, doing the things they detest to make money that they don't want to buy things that they don't need to impress people they dislike, which I like mostly everyone. So that's the only part of that. that (laughs) isn't true. But why in the world you look at, you look at life when you're living it fast and you think, why in the world would I do that? But I think maybe we're meant to have to really fight for slow living for some reason, because maybe once you get there, you end up with this beautiful story like you have. I hope I hope I'm able to make it to that place one day. I see moments of it. but You know what? It, I think when we look back, though, we're going to we're going to remember you're going to remember the Christmas light drive, mm-hmm. you know, and and you're going to you're going to recognize that all of those fast moments, right? They're, they're, they're blurred, but you're going to, you're going to take your 10 minutes in New York city. You know, you are, and and we all are, I think we just have to make that decision and we can, and everybody's got 10 minutes a day. You know, it's just, we got to, we got to find our park bench. You yes. know, what, what is the thing that we will enjoy? Yes. 
We've got to find our park bench. That's okay. Right. Well, that's a perfect, that's a perfect way to end the podcast because everybody <laughs> needs to get off this podcast now and go find your park bench. Now that you are as inspired as, as I know that you are after listening to Aaron and her wise words. So thank you, Aaron, for, for taking the time. I know you're very intentional with your time and, and I really appreciate you spending this hour with me and my listeners. Oh, thank you. Well, this was my park bench. So thank you. This was so fun to chat with you. So all things Aaron Lochner, designformankind.com. I, I check it literally like once every week trying, I want a new, I want more posts. I want more from you, but what a beautiful thing that you're able to say no to all the people in the world that just want more of your goodness and your guidance. Um, so I'll, I'll write all of your social media, uh, the link to your book, everything in the description of this podcast so that people can find you. And um, thanks. What a blessing going into the holiday season to have been able to have this conversation. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.